George Orwell's towering, terrifying masterpiece was published almost dead centre in the middle of the 20th century. Orwell originally titled his book The Last Man in Europe, but for commercial reasons, his publisher suggested he rename it. Orwell did so by simply switching the numbers for the year in which he wrote it. 1948 became 1984. In other words, the book was not so much a vision of the future as much as it was a heightened, very intensified and exaggerated view of then contemporary post-war Europe. While fascism had been defeated, a different kind of war was about to begin, this time between East and West, and that war would divide the world up into local theatres of conflict, Southeast Asia, South America and the Middle East. Orwell's world was one in which the Second World War had not ended, but had metamorphosed and would drag on ceaselessly into the future. And while armies very far away at the front were forever fighting that war, another war was being fought at home. There, or here, the government was waging war on its own citizens and perpetually manipulating the population by various means. Omnipresent surveillance, either by old-fashioned spies or modern technology, you name it, the government controlled it, even to the point of everyday language. Pushing forward to the real 1984, when the Soviet Union and the Western Allies were still fighting the Cold War, it appeared that Orwell had in fact been writing about the future. But in that same year, a movie was released that would argue yet another war, one fought not about ideology, but technology was the real war of the future. The film's writer and director, James Cameron, has often said that the Terminator was born out of a nightmare he had had. In that dark dream, Cameron saw a metal skeletal robot rising up like a phoenix from the inferno. And so vivid was Cameron's vision that upon waking, he hurriedly sketched the idea out on his drawing board. At the time, Cameron was a model maker and matte artist who had learned his craft from working with the legendary independent producer, Roger Corman. His talent always recognized, Cameron then went on to serve as art director, production designer, and eventually special effects designer on John Carpenter's great prison movie, Escape from New York. While that background is essential in understanding the technical virtuosity for which Cameron is now known, it is also worth noting that those techniques were all in the analogue and physical sphere. Today, Cameron is synonymous with the digital domain. Fourth gauge autoloader. That's Italian. No pump or auto. A 45 long slide with laser siding. It's a brand new, we just got the new. That's a good gun. Just touch the trigger, the beam comes on, and you put the red dot where you want the bomb to go. You can't miss. Anything else? Phased plasma rifle in a 40 watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. Uzi 9mm. That was 1981, and in that same year, Cameron was directing his first feature film, Piranha 2 The Spawning. A film altogether so bad that for years Cameron all but disavowed its very existence. But one good thing did come of it. While filming in Rome, Cameron was struck down by food poisoning, and it was that night that he experienced his fevered dream of the undefeatable robot. 
Within three years, Cameron was writing and directing a feature film that would change the course of the action and sci-fi genres. The 600 series had rubber skin. We spotted them easy, but these are new. They look human. Sweat, bad breath, everything. Very hard to spot. I had to wait till he moved on you before I could zero him. Look, I am not stupid, you know. They cannot make things like that yet. Not yet. Not for about 40 years. Are you saying it's from the future? But that makes it all sound like an easy ride. The making of the Terminator was anything but. Upon completing the script, Cameron gave it to his agent, who disliked it so much, he advised his client to ditch it and work on something lighter and brighter. You've got to remember that at the time, the number one sci-fi adventure was about a cuddly creature from outer space that was stranded on Earth and recruited a lonely boy to secure his safe passage home. It had no choice. Their defense grid was smashed. We'd won. Taking out Connor then would make no difference. Skynet had to wipe out his entire existence. Is that when you captured the lab complex and found that, uh, what is it called? Uh, the time displacement equipment? That's right. The Terminator had already gone through. Connor sent me to intercept and they blew the whole place. Well, how are you supposed to get back? I can't. Nobody goes home. Cameron and his then partner, Gail Ann Hurd, got the script to Orion Pictures, where it received backing. Orion provided the 6.8 million needed to create the dark vision of the future. But the real problem began when the film was completed. Orion's marketing department thought the film was unreleasable. They didn't even think it was sci-fi, calling it instead a down and dirty exploitation flick that would barely last a week in theatres. But incredibly, despite that obstruction, the movie opened to terrific numbers and went on to earn strong reviews and ended up being the surprise breakout hit of the year. How on earth did that happen? For one thing, there are terrific themes at play within the film. It presents that most existential grip of all, not only death, but the end of the world. Within that framework, you have the battle between good and evil, but what sets this apart is that the evil is no longer within the hearts of men, but machines. Listen and understand that Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and it absolutely will not stop, ever, until you are dead. Yet oddly, these machines were made in man's image. We created the computers, and the computers became sentient beings. So, our creations have come back to kill us all. Cameron may harness cutting-edge technology to help tell his stories, but do not be fooled. He is big on environmental protection. Safeguarding the world for future generations is not just a drama for him, it's real life, and the threat of global extinction is never far from his mind. In the seven films he has so far directed, atomic bombs have featured in six and have detonated in five. The one exception is his low-budget romance set aboard a boat. Standing in the way of the terminating cyborgs is a woman, Sarah Connor, 
who at some point in the future will give birth to a son who will grow up to lead the fight against this endless evil. Now, Sarah's son will be called John, which means his initials are JC, and he will be the saviour of humankind. Sound familiar? Of course it does, but that's all on the page. What Cameron did on film was completely original. His action is kinetically staged, with terrific movement forever moving through, across and about the frame. In addition, Cameron and his makeup artist Stan Winston made a terrific decision to mix and match the special effects, from miniatures and stop motion to in-camera puppets. And of course, arguably, the film's biggest special effect, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. I'll be back. Casting the Austrian oak was an inspired move, but it wasn't what Cameron initially intended. For Cameron, the Terminator was an infiltration unit, a cyborg designed to blend in amongst the humans. When Cameron first met Schwarzenegger, he assumed that Schwarzenegger wanted to play the role of the hero, Kyle Reese. But Schwarzenegger knew his English was not good enough to handle all that dialogue. So instead, he pushed for the villainous role, and so was born one of the most iconic characters in Hollywood history. Only it wasn't Hollywood. It wasn't even Los Angeles. Although the film is set in the City of Angels, yet another biblical reference, the movie was actually shot in Toronto. And that is yet another tribute to Cameron's ability as a filmmaker. He made sure that almost all the action was filmed at night, and in so doing, he brought to life yet another ancient story, this time from Greek mythology. As Sarah and Kyle try to find their way out of the city, Cameron transforms it into a labyrinth, one in which the Minotaur, half man, half bull, is chasing down his quarry. Come with me if you want to live. Let's face it, James Cameron can convince you of pretty much anything. If he tells you that you're in LA, you believe him. If he shows you that the ship is sinking, you don't doubt him. And if he says that this is Pandora, you suit up and go with the mission. Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? Nothing clean, right. Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. You're close. Give them to me, now. But brilliant as Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the title role, the movie isn't about him. It's about Sarah Connor, and as performed by Linda Hamilton, she transforms, very convincingly, from a somewhat naive waitress with low self-esteem, who somehow finds it within herself to run and jump and ride and hide and fight and survive. In that one character, James Cameron presented himself as a rather unusual feminist. Remember, this was the 1980s, when, unfortunately, feminism was considered to be a dirty word, and men felt under threat. But Cameron saw the future in more ways than one. Men no longer dominate the action demographic as they used to. I mean, without Sarah Connor, would we have Katniss Everdeen? So why did Cameron call it the Terminator? Why not call it, say, Sarah Connor? 
for reasons that are so obvious they sound fatuous. Back in the 1980s, the action sci-fi and horror demographic was predominantly male, and few if any of those males would have been remotely interested in a movie named after a woman who was trying to safeguard the future of humanity. No, what drew audiences in back then was the promise of a character that would deliver action, car chases, gun battles, and lots of explosions. You're a terminated fucker. And so it was not until 2008 that anything near parity would be awarded to the heroine who put herself in the front line to ensure the survival of humankind. But even then, it didn't last long. Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, was a TV series that ran for only a season. And I suppose it just goes to show that audiences, the public, the people, prefer death and destruction to life and creation. What a strange Orwellian world it is. Thank you.